So we'll just dive right into it. Our Lord doesn't, um, doesn't always do what we think he would do and kind of confuses us at first. Here's this woman. I love this story. She's not Jewish. She's emphasized on, emphasis on like she doesn't belong. She's a Canaanite, pagan, Syrophoenician woman, like not one of the Jewish people. And she approaches the, the apostles, the Lord, and she's asking for something. And the Gospel says that he did not reply to her one word, just utter silence from him. It should leave us as New Testament Christians kind of scratching our head. Wait, God would do that? Jesus would do that? Jesus always loves and takes care of every need that you have. Like prayer is super easy because God loves you. If we're honest, I think we know sometimes when we approach God, we do run into obstacles. We do have difficulties going to prayer. We do have difficulties going to his mercy in confession. We do have difficulties getting involved sometimes in his church, in the community of his people, in the ministries he's doing. We run into obstacles. There's obstacles from without, and this woman, I appreciate, like, she's pursuing him, and it seems like the apostles are not really, you know, they're kind of shunning her, like, she's not one of us. Hey, did you get the memo? You're not Jewish. Stay away. And they go and tell the, the, the master, the rabbi, Jesus, like, hey, she keeps coming after us. Send her away. Like, she's not reading your cues, right? She's not reading the signals. Send her away. She doesn't belong. And at first, it seems our Lord even affirms that Jewish cultural thing of the time. If you're watching The Chosen, I think they do a very good job of illustrating that cultural Division, like it's the Jewish people and we don't belong to the Romans, we don't associate with them, we don't go in their houses, we don't deal with Samaritans. Like that was a real thing. The Jewish people had rightly preserved the covenant from any contamination with Gentile practices. But our Lord was opening the doors, as had always been promised. But nevertheless, at this moment, it seems that our Lord affirms the division. Indeed, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's Israel. So there are difficulties, and we run into that, difficulties from without, but also difficulties from within. For me, I, I imagine this poor Syrophoenician pagan woman, like, listening to their words to her. Maybe they kind of reinforced her own messages to herself, or the temptations of her enemy, like, yeah, you know, that, that's right, you know. You don't belong. You're not Jewish. And you've got your sins, girl. Look at what you've done. Look at your mess. Oh, woman, great is your sin. Great is your unworthiness. Great is your failure. Great is your hopelessness. Maybe that's what was going on from within her own heart. Maybe that was the first message she was getting. You've said no to God many times, and one would be enough for damnation. And you've said no many times in your sins. Great is your selfishness, your ego, your pride, your vanity, your envy, your lust, your gluttony. Great is your sin. You so easily disregard God's values and priorities and you choose worldly values and worldly things and put those commitments over God. Anybody guilty of that sometimes? Maybe? Just a little bit? Come on. Own it. Own it. First world Americans. Guilty. Great is our sin. 
Great are the doubts you allow in your mind to question His truth. Great are the fears that steer your heart away from Him. Great is your mess. When you come to prayer, you hear all these stories. People have tremendous mystical experiences in prayers. They, they write stories and books about it. And you're like, well, I've never heard God speak to one word to me. I'm giving up. I'm, not done, I'm, I'm done with this prayer thing. He's not listening. He's too busy. He doesn't care about me. Why would he care about me? I go to confession. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go to confession. I don't know what, what, what I've done. I'm, I'm thinking about like, maybe I should ask God's forgiveness, but like... I don't know, what I did was pretty terrible. And you get to confession, and the line is long. God, why did you make the line long? Are you trying to tell me something? Don't raise your hand, but have you ever had that experience where you could finally get to the door of confession, and you're about to go in, and Father walks out because he's got to go to Mass, and you didn't get to go? As if God was saying, yeah, not you. (laughs) Not you. Happened to me a bunch of times. Anyway, so, that's why I stay in kind of late, just to make sure. But, my sin is too great. That many times I've fallen into sin are too many. I'm not going. I give up. Or you try to get involved in ministry. Or with the community of faith. And they're celebrating someone's birthday party. I don't know whose birthday might be, but someone's having a birthday party and you're not invited. Or you feel like that I'm not I don't belong. I don't belong. I don't fit into the parish community. I don't fit into that ministry. All those parish people in the church, like they've got everything squared away. I'm a mess. I'm not going. That would be so weird. They're not struggling with the things I'm struggling with. I'm not in those groups. I'm not one of those peeps. So I stay away. I would volunteer. I care about the needs of other people, but like I don't fit in, so I'm going to not sign up. Or I got chewed out by father or somebody else, so yeah, that's, that kind of confirmed my doubt, so I'm out. I don't belong. I'm not like them. I'm not good enough. So we hear all those messages. I really love this, this image of the woman, because the story could have stopped right there. She cries out, Lord, have mercy on me, son of David. Have mercy on my daughter. And she gets ignored. And Jesus says, hey, dog, I don't give the food of the children to people like you. I'm trying to figure out what the apostles would have used that story to, to, to teach, but it could have ended there. She could have walked away. It's true. I'm not one. I'm not worthy. I don't fit in. I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to push through and talk to him. I'm not going to get in line for confession. I'm not going to make an appointment with Father. I'm not going to join that ministry or volunteer in the parish. I'm out. could have ended there, but it doesn't end there. That's what I want to emphasize. Like She asserts herself. I try to imagine this woman had some thick skin. I do imagine it's probably a whole other homily. She was very aware that it wasn't for her, it was for her daughter who she loved, and she's not quitting because it's for my daughter. I love this girl in my life, and she needs this grace. I'm not giving up, so she persists. I also imagine maybe she read the Jewish scriptures just a little bit as a non-Jew. Maybe she was somewhat familiar with the, the first reading that we read today about how foreigners have a place, how the gospel, the, the psalm says, like, all the nations, shall praise you. My house shall be a house of prayer for all peoples. Maybe she heard that. Maybe she understood that part of the scriptures better than the Jews of her time seemed to have understood it. Whatever it was, she asserts herself. Lord, I want to talk to you. 
Not those other voices, not those other people. I want to talk to you. She pushes further. Now we don't miss it. Our Lord does test her resolve. Like we said, it's not good to give the food of the children to you, dog. And so he kind of steps on her sensitive unworthiness. I want to highlight the fact that she doesn't deny her state. She doesn't deny her unworthiness, her guilt, the fact of her past, her sin. She's not a Jewish member entitled to the promises of God. She doesn't assert herself based on her entitlement with pride or anything like that. She doesn't say, Lord, help me because I deserve it. Help me because I've got everything squared away. I deserve it. I'm unlike those other sinners over there. Why aren't you answering me? Why is this bad thing happening to me? That's not her attitude. She knows she's a mess. She accepts the fact about her life and her past and her sins and her non-Jewish nature. I think when the devil tempts us, we hear these whispers in our heart, and he comes at us sometimes pretty strong. Remember that sin you did this morning or yesterday? You know that habit of addiction you're struggling with? You know how you treated your mom or your spouse yesterday? They say the devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin, right? He constantly calls you by your sin. She kind of owns that, accepts the truth. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mess. And I think in that moment, she teaches us to rob the enemy of his weapons. He's got nothing more to say. He said all he can, and he said a lot. It's pretty bad. I own it. And that's okay as long as you don't stop there. They say, the devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sins. God knows your sins, but he calls you by your name. There's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is that sense of, I'm, I feel bad because I've done something wrong. Shame says, I'm so bad because of what I've done wrong. And the devil uses that shame as a constant attack on our hearts, on our souls, to keep us away from the mercy of God. But she owns her difficulties, her struggle, her mess, and she comes much like the centurion that we even quote at every Mass, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. I'm not worthy that you should hear me. I don't come based on my worth and worthiness. I appreciate that she knows, and our Lord kind of points this out, we could all recognize, great is the weight of her sin, the weight of your sin, the weight of my sin, but greater still is the weight of something else in her. And our Lord give us, gives her perhaps the highest praise in the entire gospel. Oh, woman, great is your faith. And not just faith in the abstract, right? We have faith in a lot of things. Faith that it's not going to rain tomorrow, because it doesn't do that. Faith that the saints are going to win one day. We have faith in all sorts of things. Faith in, in who comes at Christmas, all these things. We have faith in a lot of things. But Christian faith is very specific. I have faith in you, God, who I've heard all these things about. You, who the scriptures tell me about. You, Jesus Christ. And he says, great is your faith in my love for you. Great is that faith in her. You didn't see it. You didn't have any evidence of it. In fact, you had some evidence to the contrary. And yet you persisted. You still persisted. You still seemed to know I wouldn't turn you down. Great is that faith in my love for you. 
that you would dare to assert yourself, dare to approach me and my mercy, not based on yourself. How great is the faith that you have in my love for you. Do we have that faith? Can we assert ourselves a little bit, not on our own entitlement or pride, but on our deep awareness of his love for each one of us? When I try to pray, and it's kind of dry and boring, do I give up because God's not listening? Or do I assert myself and persist for another five minutes, another ten minutes? I make it through my whole commitment to the hour every day of prayer because I know He loves me, whether I feel it or not. Whether I get what I asked for or don't. Do I still push through in prayer because I know who I'm praying to? That's the catechism's one of the definitions of prayer is, is a conversation or lifting up your heart to one whom I know loves me. It's a great definition of prayer. Because I know he loves me. That's why I pray. That's why I persist against the obstacles, the dryness, the distractions, the time I don't get what I wanted. That's what prayer to him looks like. Because I know that that's who I'm praying to. The one who was crucified for me. He's not going to give up on me. He's not leaving me hanging. So I persist. When I'm aware of the, the weight of my sins, and sometimes they're pretty heavy, I get up off my self-pity. I get out of my wallowing. And I get in line for confession. I don't care what the confessor is going to say to me. That doesn't matter. It's not about the confessor. It's about his God's love for me. And I get in line for confession maybe the third time in two weeks or in one week. Maybe to say the same sin I said two days ago because I'm struggling with that thing. I still get in line. I still go. Because I know He loves me. I believe in the love that He has for me. And I dare to stand again before His priest, the instrument of His mercy. Again. And that's why our Lord would say, seven times, seventy times. Raise your hand if you've been forgiven more than five hundred times in your life. Anybody been in confession more than five hundred times in your life? I mean, if you're under the age of four, don't say that. But it's okay. Just okay. But it's real. I mean, we do it because of faith in that love. When I stay committed to something I'm volunteering with, some ministry, some outreach, some public witness, something I'm doing for the good of his community, for the good of his kingdom, and the spread of his kingdom, I'm there. Whether I feel like I fit in with those people, whatever that means, or not, I'm there because he loved me. He invited me. He got my attention when I signed up. And I did it for him, not for them. And I know he loves me. When I feel it from them, which hopefully I do, but maybe sometimes I don't. And I stay with it. When Father has a bad day and chews me out or something else goes wrong, I stay with it when I feel like it and when I don't. Because love is not about feelings. My commitment to Jesus is not about how I feel today in my faith. It's certainly not about what others think of me. It's for Him. I know you love me. I feel like Jesus was almost saying today, like, you must really know I love you to have persevered that far. You must really be convinced. Oh, woman, great is your faith. It's true, my faith in my sin is real, but my faith is greater in the love and mercy he has towards me. So I come back to Mass. I come back to communion. Again. 
I mean, I just went yesterday, but I come again because I know he wants to give me that divine kiss. Because I know he loves me a lot. If I need to go to confession first, I go to confession first, but I come in line for communion because I know he's the one inviting me. Don't ever say I don't get anything out of Mass because there's not much more God can give. But he wants to give it to you. We need to get past so many whispers, so many messages, so many lies about whether or not our Lord loves us, whether or not we're worthy, whether or not we belong. Get past the vanity. Get past my wounded pride. Get over yourself. Get over myself. Get over our fears and assert myself based on his love for me. Push through. There's a beautiful litany that we pray sometimes from the lie that you are not wanted, from the lie that you are not good, from the lie that you are not chosen. Lord, deliver me. Deliver me, Jesus, from that lie. We can leave off with that because there's a lot to be said when we receive Holy Communion. Just really make that a moment of, Lord, I believe in your love for me. I don't know what to say. But I'm going to try and say something because I believe in your love for me. I don't know what to do, but maybe you're telling me to do something, and I'll do it because I believe in the love that you have for me. I'll get involved where you call me. But I want to add one little appendix. Sorry, we're going to land the plane shortly. But um, one last kind of connected point. Not the woman, but the apostle. The apostle who came to Jesus and said, Lord, send her away. Okay, that's... Old Testament, they were still learning, they were still trying to understand what he was saying, and the whole message of salvation was for everyone. We are New Testament apostles. What if the apostle had said to her, as she was obviously trying and yet struggling, hey, you look like you need something. I'll make it easy for you. I'll open the door for you. I'll get his attention for you. You sit right here, and we'll make a a way for you. Because that's the role of the church. That's your role. That's my role. Are we doing it? And if you haven't noticed, a while ago we started a little campaign on the very first point of the Archdiocesan 2016 Synod. And the points of work were lots, but the first one was form welcoming communities. In other words, communities that don't sit back passive thinking people should come if they want to, but the community that goes out and welcomes them, goes out to meet them, reach out to them, make sure it's comfortable when they come, make sure they know they fit in, even when they may not feel like it at first. Are we doing that? I dare you when you walk out, the poster board's up there on the right by the grocery cart, this little examination of conscience on how welcoming am I really? Am I overcoming the obstacles? Because somebody comes here who didn't go to Hanville High School, guess what? Kind of hard for them to have something in common with most people here. That's okay, I went to Jesuit. It's okay, we're used to it. We kind of look down on you. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. And the other thing, you'll see your pews, but we started this recently, like this, this message to families with children. Because you know what? Parents share when no one's listening. Father, we just feel like y'all don't want our kids there. Well, we don't want the screaming if you can help it. But if you can't help it, we do want your kids there. Even when you can't help it, just, you know, there's a gathering area up there, but come back after the emergency's crisis averted. Come back, because there's a place for you here. And we'll make it easy for you. Sometimes, look, we're all 
probably have guilty of those bad days when it's the, the screaming child two rows in front of me, and I'm like, gosh, I wish that mom would just take the kid out. Why don't you go up to the mom and say, hey, let me hold that kid for you. I'm not going to drop kick it. I just want to hold it for you. <laughs> but do we do that? I mean, I guess that's the point, like this tangent, this extra point. Like, am I welcoming? Am I the apostle that can bring more people to the love that I've come to know he has for me and for them? The woman did it for her daughter. Do I do it for my neighbor when our Lord says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself? You should love your neighbor the way you've been loved by me, the way I have loved you. Do I do that? And what are the initiatives, what are the opportunities, who are the people in my circle of influence that probably need a little bridge for them to come back to know the mercy and love of God for them? Own it. And when you see Holy Communion today, ask our Lord, Lord, show me how to do that. Amen? Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us.